Stand and turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter number 5. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I tell you what, I, we can leave right now and say it's good. Amen. But we ain't. Got some preaching to do. Amen. Amen. Man, it's good to be saved. Good to be in a heated building. God kept the rain back so you didn't melt getting in here. Not that that was going to be a danger to some of us. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter number 5. We've been going through a series. Uh, this is the last message, Lord willing, on this series on being the perfect Christian. The perfect Christian. Not the, not the sinless Christian. Not the, not the one who never makes mistakes or has any failures. But the mature Christian, that's what that word perfect means, means complete, means completely developed, means mature. How many of y'all know God wants you to be a complete Christian? And we can do that. We, we, we said there were several things that, that characterized a perfect Christian, which one was a sharing Christian. If you're going to be a mature Christian, you've got to learn to share your faith. Share, I didn't hear no amens right there, help me. We got to share our faith. That's why we're here. If, if we wasn't supposed to do that, God had done took us home. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. We're supposed to share our faith. A perfect Christian, a complete Christian is one who shares his faith. He's, he's concerned about sanctification. He's a sanctified Christian. He, he has a short, a short account with a sin. When he does sin, he comes to God immediately. He says, God, forgive me of my sin. He deals with that. And then the third message was on being a sacrificial Christian. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God gave everything for us, so we should give everything to Him. Amen. And then last week we talked about a serving Christian. A serving Christian. Uh, it, it, is, it is unheard of that a complete, mature, developed Christian would not serve God. He's been gifted, Ephesians chapter number 4, he's been gifted to serve Him. But today, today we're going to talk about the studying Christian. A complete Christian, a mature Christian, is a student of the Word. Say it with me. He's a, he's a student of the Word. I, I received a gift for Christmas. It was called Bibleopoly. <clears throat> They knew I was a poor sport and a sore loser with Monopoly, so they bought me Bibleopoly. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I was, I was reading and studying and looking at all this, and, and, and I, I got to thinking. I got to thinking. You know, what if, what if it was required for you to know something to get into heaven? What if, what if you had to win this game, not just win the game, Know a question in this game. Could you make it into heaven? Do you have enough Bible knowledge? Do you know enough of your Bible? If there was a test required to get into heaven, would you make it? That's a, that's a serious question. Wouldn't you say amen? Now here's the thing. I'm glad all you need to know to get into heaven is for God to love the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. All you got to know is Jesus died for you and he shed his blood to forgive you and you, you come to him. 
He'll receive you just like you are. Say amen. amen. So there's not, there's not a whole lot of knowledge you need to know or have to get into heaven. But here's the thing. You got to know this Bible to make it through life till you get there. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Let's look in Hebrews chapter number five. Hebrews chapter number five, and, and we're going to read in verse number 11. <clears throat> and we're going to keep reading. Remember, chapter and verses were put there for our, our ability to study and memorize. So we're going to read right on through to verse three. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. It says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are, what's that word? Dull, Dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are come, become, you are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the doctrine or the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us, next two words, come on, let us go on unto what? Perfection. Perfection. There's that word we've been looking for. Let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Of the doctrines of baptism, of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of the eternal judgment. And this will we do, if God permit. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word in this full house. Thank you for the privilege of an awesome worship service. Lord, I, I, I am thrilled. I'm excited to be in your presence I have felt your presence already. And God, we need your anointing in this word. This is something that we need to get. We need to receive and apply to our life. And God, I pray that you'll teach us some things this morning. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to see your truth. God, don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to. And don't let me forget anything I need to say. And God, I'll praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. And all God's people say it. Amen. This collar is just a little tight. <clears throat> yeah. My wife has shrunk my shirt again. <clears throat> I told her not to do that. Now, here's, here's what I want to do. We're talking about being a student of the word. Uh, knowing your Bible. Uh, we, 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 we already said it doesn't take a whole lot of Bible knowledge to get to heaven. Uh, but it is, you're going to have to have some knowledge to, to, to make it here on earth till you get there. All right? Uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of knowledge to get to heaven, but it does to bring heaven to earth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, I know some of us, we, we don't think it's that big a deal. As long as we go to church and when we show up when we're supposed to, uh, it's not that big a deal uh, that we neglect our Bible. But let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it is a huge deal. A huge deal, and I want to show you why. I, let me let me kind of set the table for what we're reading here in the book of Hebrews. All right, here you have here you have Jewish people 
who grew up and their whole life and their whole heritage was worship in the temple. It was the Judaism uh, of Moses, the Mosaic law, the Mosaic form of worship. They would come to the temple. They would bring their lambs for sacrifices. They would have their festivals. They would have their feasts. And they would worship in the Old Testament way. If that makes sense, say amen. All right. Now, Jesus comes. And he brings in the New Testament. He brings in the New Covenant. He dies on a cross. The veil is ripped from the top to the bottom in the temple. And there is a new and living way. No more do they come to the temple. No more do they offer sacrifices. There's no more sacrifices needed to be made. Because when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. No other sacrifice. He is the final sacrifice. And now, listen, it's no longer the Mosaic way of doing things. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So now the disciples are growing out. The church has begun. Pentecost has taken place. And the church has started and they're going abroad and they're winning people to Christ. People are getting saved. People are coming to know Christ. And, and now, now we have uh, Jews in Jerusalem who are still there in nearness of proximity to the temple. The temple hasn't been destroyed yet. The temple's not going to be destroyed till 70 A.D. Are y'all with me? So the temple's still up. The priests are still doing their thing. They're still doing their sacrifices. In other words, they're still doing it the Mosaic way in the Old Covenant. But the new Christians are over here. They have believed in Christ. They are following the Lord. They are part of the body of Christ and the church. But they are being persecuted by the old way. The Jews that are still in the old system the Jews that are still believing in the law and trying to follow the law, they are persecuting the new Christians over here that are trying to live in the New Testament. If that makes sense, say amen. Okay, now this has, got, this has caused a problem. They've, they've even begun to neglect going to church. They stop gathering regularly. That's why he said, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Why do they make a rule? Because somebody did it. Most of y'all, how many of y'all have seen rules you think, why in the world would they have to have a rule for this? Because some fool done it. Are y'all with me? And if he said, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together, that meant that's what they were doing. They had stopped gathering together for regular worship. They would stopped gathering together. In other words, they started skipping church. Y'all with me? And they're being tempted. They're being tempted because of the persecution because it's difficult. How many of y'all found out not long in your Christian life that living the Christian life is sometimes tough? How many of y'all, when you began your Christian life, the devil tempted you to go back to your old life? Well, that's what was happening. That's what was happening. These people were being tempted to go back, go back into the old way, go back into the old covenant, go back into the old way of doing things. And this is Paul's letter. Paul, this letter, the book of Hebrews, is a letter to these people trying to convince them that what you have now is better than what you had then. In other words, the whole letter is convincing them that Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the law. The new covenant is better than the old covenant. What you have now is better than what you had then. 
And in convincing them of this, he has to tell them how Jesus is the high priest in heaven. And he wants to explain to them not what Jesus did. Now watch this, follow me now. Stay with me, stay with me. Not what Jesus did, but what Jesus was doing. What Jesus did is the elementary things. He said, but I want to teach you some deeper things. What was the deeper thing? What Jesus was doing. Not what he did in the past. Died on the cross, buried, and was resurrected. That's the elementary things. That's the ABCs of Christianity. He said, I want to tell you about what he's doing. Are y'all with me? Most of y'all are very familiar. Most of y'all are very familiar with what he did. But some of y'all have no clue what he's doing. What he's doing right now. Now watch what, watch what this, what I just read. He says, I want to tell you some cool stuff. I want to tell you some really deep things. I want to tell you about his present ministry right now in heaven, how he is after the order of Melchizedek, but I can't tell you. Because you're too immature to hear it. You're not far enough along in your Christian walk. You haven't made enough progress to be able to handle what I need to tell you. Now I wonder how many that applies to today. I really wouldn't be able to go into great depth and detail from chapter 6 on because I'm afraid a lot of the American church today is in the same shape as who he's writing to here in Hebrews. Matter of fact, here's here's what I want you to write down. Here's some notes. And I'm not here to embarrass nobody. Okay? I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. I wouldn't want to embarrass nobody, but I do want to poke you enough All right, I'm not here to embarrass you, but if I can poke you and prod you enough to move you to action, do you understand? Do you understand that the only thing you have on planet earth between you and hell is this book? Do you realize the only connection you have to God is this book? Now, I want to show you the danger. Number one, take, if you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to see this. He says in verse number, verse number 11, verse number 11, he says, of whom we have many things to say. In other words, man, there's so much I want to tell you. There's so much I want to teach you. There's so much you need to know. There's so much things I want to say, but you're hard to be uttered because seeing ye are dull of hearing. I want you to see it, number one, the unfortunate diagnosis. The unfortunate diagnosis, you're dull of hearing. Now, I want, to, I want, you, to, I want you to put beside that. If you're taking us, I want you to write beside that. I want you to write the word progression. Progression. They didn't just get there. We're going to go back to chapter 1 and we're going, to, we're going to see and we're going to bring it along and see how they ended up in a place where they were dull of hearing. And I, I'll, I'll explain that, that and, and give you the definition of that here in just a moment. 
In chapter number one, in chapter number one, the Bible says, God, who at sundry times and divers manners, that means just many times in different ways, he spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. In other words, in the Old Testament, he spoke to us through the prophets and the fathers. Now he's speaking to us in the New Testament through his son. But either way, God has spoken. Let me say that again. God has, and guess what? We got it right here. Now, God has spoken. We have it. We have it right here. It, it's called his word. Come on, everybody. It's called his, his word. God has spoken. Now, now, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Let me show you what they did with it. In chapter number 2, <clears throat> It says in verse number one. Now remember, remember what we said a while ago? The reason they make a rule is because some fool did it. Right? Watch, watch. Therefore, now, now let me back up. God spoke, chapter one. Say it with me. God spoke, chapter two. Therefore. You with me? Man, some of y'all need some coffee this morning. Now, chapter 1, come on, chapter 2, therefore, in other words, because God spoke, watch this, we ought to give the more earnest heed, heed to what, what, come on, we ought to give the more earnest heed to what, what God spoke, to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now, here's, here's the what, let me apply this. The, it, it's not the word, I, I, man, I enjoyed Brother Andrew's message a couple weeks ago about the anchor, right? I'm glad we have an anchor. <clears throat> now, here's the illustration. The anchor is not slipping, the rope is slipping. I, I've been, me and Dad, we did the same thing as, 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 as Andrew. When we'd, we'd go out saltwater fishing and Dad said, all right, throw the anchor and hold it, make sure it's tight. Oh, yeah, it's good and tight. And, and, and we'd tie it up and, and we'd think, wait, we're drifting. We're drifting. Why are we drifting? Is the anchor holding? Yeah, the anchor's holding, but the knot wasn't. The anchor was still there, but the boat was drifting. Now, here's the thing. God's word is still here, but we're drifting from it. That's the deal. God's word will be true to every generation. Amen? But we drift from it. We drift from it. Why do we drift from it? Look what it says. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we... Uh-oh. Come on, everybody. Say it with me. Say it again. Neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now, let me help you understand something about that verse. It did not say reject. He's not talking about rejecting salvation. He's talking about neglecting the salvation that you already have. Now, what is salvation called? What is salvation called? A gift. Right? It's the gift of God. Right? For by grace you say through faith that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Now, 
How many of you have bought a gift for your child and they set it out in the rain and didn't bring it in and it got ruined because of neglect? That's the point. In other words, he's saying this. You're drifting because you're neglecting what? What God said. Now watch. This is going to be, this is going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my heart. Now, that's why I'm telling you the truth. They were drifting from the word. They were drifting from the word, right? Because of neglect. Now, watch this. Watch this. Some of you are here today to study your Bible, and you don't even have it with you. Now, if you don't have one, that's one thing. And if you don't, See me after the service, and I'll make sure you get one. But some of you, even if it's sitting in your lap, that's the first time you looked at it this week. I mean, the only thing that's between us and hell, the only connection we have to heaven and God, and we are neglecting it. Now, watch what happens when we neglect it. We begin to, come on, come on. Don't get quiet. It's going to get worse before it's over with. When we neglect the word, we begin to drift. Now, I got a lot in this message, so I'm going to just tell you, and you can read it when you get home. Chapters 3 and 4, chapters 3 and 4 says this. If we neglect what God said, if we neglect his word, we fail to read it, we fail to show up to worship, we skip church because we don't feel like going, we do all these things and we neglect our gift. We neglect the precious gift of salvation. We neglect it and we we abuse it and we don't take it seriously. We begin to drift. Begin to drift. Now when we begin to drift, we go from drifting to doubting. Write that down. Doubting. He tells them in chapters 3 and 4, he says, Now don't be like your fathers in the desert. And what is he talking about? He's talking about when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, they were delivered out of Egypt, and because of their unbelief or their doubting, they couldn't go into the promised land. Now watch this. Watch this. If you'll study that out, man, I wish I had time to go into this because this is so good. You need to hear this. He calls it God's rest. He calls it God's rest. You you could not go into God's rest. You could not go into Canaan because of your doubt. You say, why is that significant? Man, there's nothing like rest. There's nothing like being able to say, and God says, I want you to rest in me. But you know what's happening with many Christians today? They're right in between, they're right in between Egypt and Canaan. You've been delivered, you've been, you're, you've been saved, you've been washed by the blood, but you've never, you're neglecting his word and you're drifting and now you're doubting and you're wandering through life in chaos. Your life is always in turmoil. There's something always going on. You're always frustrated. You're always upset about something. You can't never just... You know why? Because you're doubting his word. You're doubting him. Do you know what the Bible says about the nation of Israel at that time? They limited. They limited the Holy One of Israel by their unbelief, by their doubt. You know what that means? 
know what that means? I studied that out. Brother John, that means they, they drew a line in the sand with their unbelief, and that's as far as God will go. God will go as far as you'll believe him for. And, and since you're drifting, because you're neglecting the word, you're not even reading it, you won't study it, the only time you pick it up is come to church because other people see you got it. You're drifting from it. And because you're drifting from it, you begin to doubt it. Let me, let me, let me apply it. Let me apply it. Some of y'all think, oh, I don't doubt the word. Really? Have you worried about a bill lately? Have you worried about a bill lately? Does the Bible not say, My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory? Has your faith wavered a little bit? Doesn't the Bible say this? Faith cometh by and hearing by. You may tell you what you'll have. If you, if you are in your book, if you are in your Bible, you're going to have confidence, you're going to have assurance, you're going to have belief, you're going to have faith in God, hell or high water, you're going to know, hey, God's got this. But are you crying yourself to sleep? Are you worrying yourself to death over things in your life? i tell you what's happening. That's because you've drifted. And they wouldn't go in the promised land because everybody looked like giants and we looked like grasshoppers. Let's be honest. Come on now. It's just us. It's me. It's still the preacher. It's still your friend. I'm your buddy. I'm your pal. I'm your pastor too. How many times has your problems in life looked like giants and you look like the grasshopper? You know why? Because they doubted. Now watch what that led to. That brings us to chapter 5. Because of neglect, because of neglect, they drifted from his word. And because they drifted from his word, they begin to doubt it, just like the nation of Israel did in the, in, in the wilderness. And because they begin to doubt it, the Bible says, Now ye are what of hearing? No. That's C. You see, this is a progression. You don't just get this way. Watch this. <clears throat> Watch this. The word translated dull in Hebrews 5.11 is translated slothful. What's another word for slothful? Come on, everybody. Lazy. It refers to a condition of spiritual apathy and laziness that prevents spiritual development. They were unable to listen to the word, receive it, and act on it. One of the first symptoms of spiritual regression or backsliding is a dullness toward the Bible. Bible study is dull, the preaching is dull, anything spiritual is dull, praying is dull. But the problem is usually not the teacher or the pastor, but the believer himself. You'll hear things like, I tell you what, it's just, it's so monotonous at church now. I, I, no, no let, let me translate that. It's not that we need some new thing. Maybe you're dull. Maybe you haven't, you haven't spent the time with God you need to spend, and you're blaming the teacher and the preacher and the song leader. Let me tell you what an immature Christian needs. An immature Christian needs all of the theatrics and the entertainment to keep their attention. 
But a mature Christian who has been feeding on the Word and has been spending time with God, I'm going to tell you this, he's jacked up before he ever gets in the building. And no matter what song is sung, whether it's old or new, whether it's traditional or contemporary, if it talks about Jesus, buddy, that's enough. But we want to neglect the word. We don't want to pick up our Bible. and We want to come and we want to be spoiled brats and we just want to be entertained. This is a new year, guys. My, my desire this year, we've gone wide enough. Now it's time to go deep. Now, everybody can relate to what I'm saying. I'm telling you, if we neglect God's word, we're going to get to this point. And it's not because the music's not up to par. I can hear a song that Fanny J. Crosby wrote years and years and years ago, and I can weep like a baby because it's the truth in it. Are y'all with me? They said you're dull of hearing. I can't even tell you what I need to tell you. I can't even tell you what I need to tell you. This is an unfortunate diagnosis. And I'm afraid in the majority of churches today, that's the problem. There's an unfortunate diagnosis. They've gone from neglect to drifting to doubting to now dullness of hearing. Number two, because of the diagnosis, there's an unreached destination. Look at verse 12. There's an unreached destination. Verse 12. For when for the time ye... What's that word? Oh, man, we've gotten quiet now. Oh, help us now. Help us now. Listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm preaching to you. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers. You know what he's saying? You've been saved long enough. You ought to have this down so good you could be teaching others. For the time. Now, I, I, I would ask for volunteers to ask, how, many, how long y'all been in church? But I'm not going to do that. Been in church five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. And still aren't where you need to be. He says, and now watch now, now watch. Is this just trying to make somebody feel guilty for what they know or don't know? No, he's trying to tell them why they're being tempted. He's trying to tell them why they're having the problems they're having. He's trying to help them understand why they're going through the struggles they're going through. It's not about, it's not just trying to make somebody feel guilty for what they know or don't know. He said, there's a reason for this. There's a re- Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there is a reason the devil is kicking some of your teeth out. There is a reason that you're struggling so bad. There is a reason that you're not living in victory. There's a reason that you're not living in God's, watch this, rest. There are Christians, they running around, I mean, I mean, pulling their hair out. I don't know about life. I don't know. And I'm like, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the way God planned it. 
And it's because we're neglecting his word. You know why? We don't think it's that big a deal as long as we show up to church. Guys, there's no, there's no, there's no attendance board in heaven. Amen? Listen, he said you should be teachers. There's two things I want you to write down under this point, and I'll get to the next one quickly. There's a destination they hadn't reached. One is spiritual maturity. One is spiritual maturity. And see, that's what we've been, been preaching about a whole month. Let's go on to perfection, he says. Completion, maturity. I seen a baby back there somewhere. Okay, right there. Uh, Nikki Joe, how old is that baby? Six months. All right, if six years from now, sis was sitting there holding him like that and rocking him like that, would that cause a problem? You know what we would do? We'd go to Children's Hospital. Immediately. Why? There's no progression. This baby's not going on to maturity. There is a problem. And I'm going to say this as, as, as respectfully as I know how. There are people today in the church I grew up in that change my diapers that are in the same spiritual place that they were in when my diaper was dirty. They come to church faithful, have their Bible with them, but if we had to play Bible-nopoly, now they know the basics. They know Jesus loved me, this I know for the Bible told me so, but they've never progressed past that. And because there is a, watch this now, this is so important. Because there is a lack of spiritual maturity, there's an inability to have, watch, a scriptural ministry. That's B. What did he say? For the time, ye ought to be, come on everybody, ye ought to be, ye ought to be, how many of y'all are saved here this morning? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Saved, born again, child of God, blood washed, born again, names in the land, book of life, you're going, uh, you're, you're heaven bound with a hammer down. Don't be ashamed. Raise it. Come on now. Let's see it. Let's see it. Now, you know what? Eventually, all y'all need to be able to teach somebody else how to do that. The Bible says, be ready always. Say it with me. Be ready always to give an answer to any man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. That means you need to be able to teach them how to be saved. I'm not saying you need to be a college professor, but I am saying you need to be able to take the word of God and tell somebody else about it. But we're not spiritually mature. You know why? Because we're neglecting the word. And because we're neglecting the word, we're drifting from it. And because we're drifting from it, we're really doubting. We're struggling through life, fighting and scratching and clawing, trying to make just keep our head above water. And now we're dull of hearing. So when the preacher does go into something deeper, you stand there with your head cocked like, what? <laughs> now, I promise you this. I promise you this. And I'm, I'm, I told you, I'm not trying to embarrass nobody. I'm trying to challenge you. Every single service, I try to put it on a shelf. Everybody can reach it. Every time. But there needs to come a place in every one of our lives where we take a step and say, I need some steak, not milk. And the reason we're staying on milk 
Hold your horses. Buckle your seatbelt. It's because you're lazy. You're spiritually, mentally lazy. Because in order to get the steak and the roast beef, it takes effort and it takes thinking. And we don't want to think today. You know what? I sat the other day and was looking at who's in office today. From top to bottom. And I thought, how in the world did we get here? I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. There is some head scratchers on both sides. And I'm thinking, how? How did we do this? I'll tell you why. We got intellectually lazy. We don't think. He says, study. Say that with me. Say it again. Say it again. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Not the preacher. Not the Sunday school teacher. Not your mama. Not your daddy. But he says, study to show yourself approved unto God. But as Solomon said, Solomon says, much study is weariness to the flesh. Your flesh don't want to study, especially the Bible. I told myself, as soon as I get out of high school, I ain't never studying again. I hated school. All this, all this junk about, oh, you're going to miss this. And it's just, nah, son, I waved goodbye on my way out and I went surfing and I was done with it. Say amen. I ain't never missed it. And never say never, because when you say never, I said I'd never study again, and God called me into something. I got to study every day. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'd rather play solitaire. You know why? You don't have to think. See, there ain't a preacher in America that is honest as I am to y'all. I don't like studying. It's a weirdness to the flesh. I'll be honest with you. This is the truth. This is God's truth. I'm handing on the Bible. This is the truth. The hardest thing I got is to get started. And then the hardest thing I have is to stop. Now, once I get going, man, I'm all about it then. But listen, just... So, So all this, I don't like studying. I know. And please stop saying this. Please stop saying this. Oh, you're so gifted. You're so gifted. Oh, you just got a gift from me. No, I don't. I study hard. I'm not gifted at all. Not whatsoever. It's hard. I'll have 10 pages of scratch notes for one point on my outline. I am not gifted. I am below normal. But I study hard. Because I know if I can understand that, somebody else is going to. But guys, this is going to take effort. You've got to progress, but you're never going to. Anyway, i got to hurry. Church, say amen. amen. There was a spiritual maturity that had not been attained. 
And because of that, they couldn't perform the scriptural ministry. He said, you should be teaching right now, but you can't. There's an unreached destination. How many of y'all can see that? Say amen. amen. Then number, number three, look at this. There's an undeniable decline. Verses 12 and 13. Now this is something that stood out to me. There's something that stood out to me to this. There's an undeniable, what's that word? Everybody say it, come on. In other words, watch this. A decline means you were somewhere and you're coming. And I, Did y'all get what I just said? It doesn't mean that you, you, you're here and you never left here. It means that they had reached to a point. In other words, they began, they started. And, and they, they, they were making progression. But because of neglect, they began to... Does this make sense? Watch this, watch this. <clears throat> Look what it says. Look what it says, verse number, verse number 12. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which would be the first. In other words, he's saying you need the ABCs again. And Watch now. Here's where, here's where I get it. And are become. In other words, you wasn't there. There was a time in your life you were making progression. There was a time in your life you were growing. There was a time in your life when you were learning. And you were, listen, you were sucking on that milk like a baby on a bottle. You were hungry for it. You were desiring to know something. You were desiring to learn. But now, you see what I mean? It's kind of like this. It's kind of like the church in Ephesus in Revelation. Uh, uh, listen, you, you, you were laboring and you, you didn't suffer that which was evil and, and, and you, you were in the Word. He said, but you have left your first love. Some of y'all remember when you were a baby Christian, newly saved, you were so excited, you wanted to do everything. I've heard so many stories of my father when he first got saved, didn't know nothing. I mean, didn't know absolutely nothing about church. All he knew, he was wanted all of it that it can have. And he saw the women's auxiliary in the bulletin and went. <laughs> he said, you can't be here, you got to go home, amen. He would just want it. And now... There's a regression. What declined? Two things. Watch what it says. You are become. You are become such as have need of milk and not of. In other words, there may have been a time when they could handle strong meat. But because of their neglect, now they can't. Watch this. Two things decline when you neglect God's word. Two things decline when you neglect God's word. A, what you can digest. What you can digest. In other words, what you can handle. What you can handle. There are some things that I may preach in here and I may think it's on the bottom shelf, but you may not even think it's on the shelf. And it may not, it may not be... Now, there may be times that I, I get a little a little too deep for somebody but most of the time I try my best to make sure but it may not be the shelf I'm putting it on it may be you can't handle it you can't digest it 
because of neglect. You don't have the ability to digest the spiritual sense and the spiritual need that you have. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Not only what you can digest, but B, what you can discern. Look what he says in verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. That means mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern. Come on, verse 14. Their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What does it mean? You lose the ability to detect what's right and wrong. It blows my mind, the people that get fooled by false teachers. I see people post up on Facebook sometimes, and I'm thinking, what are they thinking? That ain't even scriptural. That's not even biblical. But watch this. It sounded, and it looked churchy. So I'm going to go ahead and post this. And you know what? They were not mature enough and they didn't have enough spiritual discernment to understand that was false doctrine. I've I, I seen a post that had a, had a, you know, it's like a skyscraper and it says this is how we see sins and, and it shows the different skyscrapers. We see sins as this and then, but God looks and he just sees that he looks at all sin the same. That's not biblical. God doesn't see all sin as the same. There are different consequences of different sins. But guess what? We don't have enough spiritual maturity to understand and discern what's right and wrong because we're neglecting His Word. Now, I, I can understand. I can understand deep theological truths. But simple ABCs of the Bible, we're getting confused. That shouldn't be. We should have a desire to grow. We should have a desire to learn. Why? How many, how many of y'all are tired of getting, just getting the devil beat out of you every week by Satan? How many of y'all would like to be like Paul and Peter and just soldiers? You'll never do it by neglecting your Bible. All right. We've enjoyed this enough. Last one. <clears throat> There's an undeniable decline. How many of y'all can see that? We go from chewing on meat to needing milk because we can't handle it. We decline in what we can digest. We decline in what we can discern. Ephesians 4 says it this way. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect, remember that means complete, a perfect, complete man into the measure of the stature of Christ. Why? That we henceforth be no more children, 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 immature, undeveloped, unfinished, not unto perfection. What are children? They're tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. In other words, when one guy comes and says this, oh, that's, I'll believe this. And then the other guy comes and says this, oh, I'll believe that. And they go from one to the other and to the other to the other. And neither one of them are right. But if you mature and grow in your faith and you grow and there's progress, you learn your Bible. Listen, the greatest ammunition against a lie is the truth. 
if you're in bondage to lies and false doctrine, he said, know the truth and it'll make you free. Amen? Lastly, number four, we see an unconditional determination. Unconditional. Say that with me. That means there ain't no other way. Ain't no other way. There's an unconditional determination. Look what he says. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, the ABCs of Christianity, let us go on. Say that with me. Let us go on. Say it with me. Here's two things I want you to write down. There's got to be an effort made. There's got to be an effort made. A, there's got to be an effort made. There's got to be an effort made. I'm ashamed to say this, especially with my father in the room. But my senior year in high school, my last, my last class, seventh period, I had marine biology. It was not required. I didn't need it. Didn't have to have it. Had all my credits already. And uh, it was the last class, marine biology. Say amen. <laughs> By that time, I was tired. Every day, I came in, put my head on that book. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say, but I did drool on it several times. One time, Mr. Priest came. That was our teacher. He came and tapped on my desk and said, Mr. Carter? I said, yes, sir. He said, this book does not work by osmosis. <laughs> and if you didn't fail science, you know what he was talking about. In other words, I was not going to absorb the knowledge up into my head through that cover of that book. He said, son, you're going to have to make a... You know what? I can come up here and preach till I'm blue in the face. I can, I can try to make you feel sad. I can try to make you feel guilty. I can try to put you on a guilt trip. I can try to show you why you should. I can take you to Joshua and let you know that the promise to Joshua is this. You put in, you, you get, don't turn from the word to the right or the left. As long as you do what's in this word, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Or I could take you over there to Psalm chapter number 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he meditate day and night. And hits, oh, are you all with me? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that giveth forth his fruit in his season and his leaf shall not wither. He's going to prosper. Why? His relationship to the book. I can tell you all that. I can tell you all the benefits of the word and how, how if you focus on it, you'll be blessed and you'll prosper. Do you realize every single problem you have in life is answered in that book? From family problems to financial problems to even physical problems. But you know what? It's not really going to matter if you're not willing to make an effort. I can, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can provide the water and I can remove the obstacles. But you got to walk up there and get it. Let us go on. There's got to be an effort made. And then lastly, there's got to be an edifying movement. Edifying means build up, strengthen, learn, grow, develop. You've got to move, guys. You can't stay in the same place you've been in for years. There's no excuse. 
If you was in a church that wasn't teaching the truth, that taught the ABCs every single time, they, they, I, I'd, give you, I'd give you a break, but you're not. I just need deeper stuff. Show up on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody was, what? This past Wednesday. We talked about the millennial reign. We talked about the glorified body and people, uh, their glorified body, not going through the millennial reign and reigning with Christ here on this earth. You say, what? Yeah, it was all there Wednesday night, and you missed it. Hello? You know what that's called? Neglect. When you are given an opportunity and you choose not to take it, that's neglect. Now that's fine. That's fine. This is America. You have, you have the right and the freedom to choose. Listen. But don't whine and complain when all hell breaks loose in your life and you can't handle it. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He said we ought to give a more earnest heed to those things that we have heard. What things? What does it say in verse 1 of Hebrews? God has spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, this was not the rah-rah message. This was not the kind to make us all laugh and Shout and holler. But this may be the most important message you've heard. Because the devil's not going to quit. The devil's going to keep after you. And the only thing you have to fight him with is this book. And guess what? Shane, it's the only thing you need. When Jesus fought the devil in the wilderness ten to three times and the devil came after him, all three times he quoted this, it is written. But guess what? What if he comes after you and you don't know what it says? You're not going to be able to say it is written. And all God's people say it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity we have to study it, to grow, to learn. Lord, this was a chastising, a challenging word. God, help us to take it to heart. God, help us to go find our Bibles and start reading our Bibles. Lord, this year we're going to try to do a, a complete covering and focus on the New Testament so that by the end of the year we have a great working knowledge of the whole New Testament God I pray that your perfect will be done move in an awesome way in Jesus name I pray amen amen let's stand to our feet we're not going to drag this out we're not going to drag this out I went a little bit long but if you need to pray you come say preach I need to be saved you come on we'll help you with that if you feel like this is where God wants you to join up, you can come. There's, there's folks up in the balcony that will help you with that. But as we sing, Brother Johnny, you sing. You need to come. You come. You come. Help him sing. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Sing, sing. All of my trials.
what? You don't have to. You don't have to bear them alone. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He kindly will help. For his own. He cares for 